From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we're talking a classic in 3D, a twisty Airbnb... Airbnb. A twisty Airbnb nightmare fantasy, Pennywise, the worst hookup, and uh, what the fuck the movie. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that definitely. I cannot wait to talk about our horror comedy today because, um, boy, I don't really know what we watched. But uh, I don't either. But it was great. So, anyway, <laughs> before we talk about movies, though, we are like a week into our Patreon. We've dropped our first Seltzer for Life episode. We've dropped our first Fresh Wounds episode. This is our first like live recording for Patreon. And we already have 11 patrons, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, the reviews are in for uh, our Fresh Wounds episode, and people love it. Uh, so yeah. thank you, everyone who's tweeted about it. We yes. appreciate you, because... We sure do. Shout out to Tony for talking about demon cheeks, because we inappropriately spoke about demon butt cheeks. And if that doesn't entice you to, sub- to subscribe to our Patreon at the $10 level, 
for fresh wounds, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. You have a little RSS feed. We have a private RSS feed. We're, we're, yeah. We are technologically savvy. <laughs> oh, yes <laughs> well and the nice thing that uh, we discovered with the this rss feed is that it actually can replace your normal feed because it will have both fresh wounds and your regular episodes on it so it's like you don't have to worry about managing multiple feeds and stuff you can hear us talk about demonic butt cheeks and our both of our actually horrific first watches for the movie, which I'm I'm gonna say are two of the worst ways to watch this movie. Yeah, actually, best and worst. But yeah, I agree. It's fun. It's a fun, and it's it's an hour long, so it's a full episode. It's not it's not short like Seltzer for Life. It is a full length episode. We want to make we're we're making want to make sure it is worth the money. I think it yeah. is. It was very fun to edit. It made me laugh the whole time. <laughs> Links everywhere you can find them to become a patron. Share them. Thank you. Please. Anyway, okay, I want to hear about this classic in 3D. I think I know what it is, but I'm very excited to hear about it. Okay, here's the thing Did Jaws need to be converted into 3D? No, no, it did not. Am I happy it was converted into 3D? Sort of. Okay. Yes. Okay. For, for a couple reasons. One, I'm never going to turn down the opportunity of seeing Jaws in a movie theater. Yeah, that's my thing. At least It's like, that's pretty cool. Like, Jaws, I, you know, I, and I was thinking about this as I was watching this again, that, like, my top five movies change all the time. But I do think, like, deep down, Jaws is probably my favorite movie ever. It's, like, such a comfort watch for me at this point that, like... I will just, just, I will turn it on and I watch it. It's just, it's so it's well done. It's so, so paced so well. Good. It's so good. And the one thing I will say about the 3D conversion is that it actually kind of forced me to watch this movie for the first time in a way because of the way that it is um, storybooked, I would say. Instead of things like coming out of the screen, it's a lot of like the foreground is grounded further ahead than the background. Oh, cool. And so just because like, there were details that are popping up that wouldn't normally pop up to me. It made me actually kind of appreciate the movie in a different way. Wait, that's really cool, though, because it's not just, like, a cheesy, like, jump scare thing of the shark coming out, that actually layer of a space, which which makes it a little bit more worth it, I bet, which that's pretty cool. So, so yeah, so, like, I would focus on details that I normally wouldn't, and it, mm. it actually made me feel like... Um, I was seeing some things for the first time that I had never noticed before. And, and yeah, it's just background stuff a lot of times, or it's like a fence that's staged in the, in the foreground. But because of that, um, it actually gave me a new appreciation for it. So in a way, I'm kind of thankful for it. Plus, the, the uh, this theater that we were in was packed. It was for, you know, the National Cinema Day. So everything was like $3. Everyone was, was in the movie theater. And there were people that I'm pretty sure had never seen it before because there were like people that were jumping and gasping in like appropriate places and going uh uh when like that fake shark uh the kids with the shark fin were yeah. floating they thought it was real like there it was it was such a good movie going experience that i don't know it reminded me of why i love cinema that's so fucking cool oh that's amazing it's like nothing more yeah. fun than going to see a movie that you love with the theater full of people and especially people who haven't seen it before like i've done that before with a thing and it's just like so much fun mm-hmm. it's just so cool and then it just was. like to see a movie you've never gotten a chance to see on the big screen before, or like don't get a lot of opportunities to. Don't get a lot of opportunities, it's, yeah. It's neat. It is. It's so cool. Movies are fun. Movies are cool. 
But speaking of cool movies and a movie that I know you're not going to spoil because I'm seeing it tomorrow, let's talk about this twisty Airbnb nightmare. I'm so excited. Speaking of cinema being great and why I love cinema, uh, Barbarian, that is coming yeah. out tomorrow. Uh, directed by Whitest Kid You Know member uh, Zach Kreger, I think his name is. That's wild in and of itself. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So I posted my review today and someone from... I knew from college was like, what is it with sketch comedians being the best horror filmmakers of all time? And I was like, because they understand timing better than anyone else. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, that, that yeah. line between horror and comedy is so thin. Yeah, exactly. That it makes sense. Well, and like we've seen that so much now, but then talking to so many people about like why they mm-hmm. make horror comedies and how a lot of them had like, like, um, keeping company there, they were sketch comedians. Yeah. But, this movie, for the for those of you who haven't seen the commercial, it doesn't really tell you a lot. I'm not going to tell you a lot because this is a movie that you need to see just, like, to experience it. And, like, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be... It's, it's playing everywhere. This is a 20th Century Studios movie. Basically, it's a Disney movie, which is, I think, is, like, it's technically a Disney movie, which I think is <laughs> fucking hysterical, especially when you see it. Go see it, hopefully, in a packed theater, if you feel comfortable doing that. No pressure. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Mm-hmm. People are still worried, but pack theater. It's Georgina Campbell plays a woman who goes to say in an Airbnb. She has a job interview. Gets to the Airbnb. Bill Skarsgård is staying there. There's been a mistake with the booking. Things get weird. Something in the basement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> I won't go further than that at all. But let's just say uh, horror is doing so many cool things in 2022 and it's real cool that this got made and it's going to be in so many theaters because it's fucked up <laughs> it's real fucked up <laughs> see that's what i love to hear i heard it's kind of funny is it it funny? is it is it's it's a little funny <laughs> and deeply fucked up like especially for what it is like for this like wider release like this big marketing campaign and stuff like I'm very excited that this is like the one of the big like early Halloween releases. Hell yeah. I honestly it's probably one of my most anticipated movies this year. I've been like counting down the days. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's uh, me and my roommate are gonna go see it tomorrow and we're like, oh my gosh, there's two sleeps left and then there's one sleep left. Like I am I am excited for this movie. It's like Christmas. Yeah, I won't say anything else. But um, well, well, the last thing I will say is you'll you Justin Long plays one of the most deplorable characters I've seen in horror in a long time. I promise you that's not really a spoiler. Like he's just a gross dude. It doesn't have so. Someone was asking me about streaming about it. I don't know, but because it's 20th Century Studios and there's all that stuff with like Hulu and Disney Plus, I have a feeling it probably will be out on streaming relatively soon. That is literally, that is, there's nothing to back this up. This is just my theory because no, but it, who is putting it out and how that, that model usually works. I mean, like, no yeah. is already on demand. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be hitting yeah. Hulu or something before, before Halloween. I think so too. So if you can't see it, try to avoid spoilers. Mute the word on your timeline or just stay off Twitter. I don't know. But yeah. I'm and, so excited. God damn it. I'm so keep saying one more thing. People have compared this to this year's Malignant. This is not as, this is, a, it's fun, but it's a much more fucked up, twisted fun than Malignant. It's not camp, it's not really campy like Malignant. Okay. It's like much more like nihilistic. 
Sweet. Oh, can't wait. Anyway, can't wait. I'll stop talking about it. We should do a spoiler episode, but we'll talk about that not. <laughs> I was just thinking about wanting to do a, mm-hmm. like, whatever. We'll talk about that offline. But I want to hear about uh, just... Like, the concept of fantasy. (laughs) The concept of fantasy. (laughs) Fantasy. Tell me about it. (laughs) So before we started recording, we were both bemoaning the fact that um, Resident Evil was canceled, right, on Netflix. And that, like, and, like, the fact that regardless of why it was canceled, it comes across as, like, the bigots of one because a lot of the flack... There, I'm not saying that like all the flack, because there have been some people that have had some issues with the plot or the the pacing, yada 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 of Resident Evil. But like the fact that it is a very like it has diversity in it seems to be a sticking point for it's so much. Mostly people of color. And so I'm seeing that conversation, and I'm also starting to watch. This is where the fantasy comes in. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Okay. I started to watch that, okay. which again has a lot of racists with their panties in a wad because there are black characters and people that are not white in this show. Guys, it takes place in a fictional fantasy world called Middle Earth with a guy named Saruman who who lords over a domain called Mordor. Fuck you. (laughs) That's it. I, I got nothing else. That's it. I have not no. watched a second of the show, but I want to. I have not watched any of it, but the fucking discussion about it online makes me want to punch someone in the mouth. Oh, it makes me so angry. It makes me so, so angry. But here's the thing. It's good. It's this is what I've really heard, good. And I'm very excited to watch it now because I was like, it, it's going to go either way. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Right. It looks expensive. The Fuck the yeah. okay. The, um, the way that they stage the CG actually gives it i don't know perspective and depth which is something that i bemoan so much of in like modern blockbusters it feels homogenous in a way that does not feel like we have people cg and we're acting against each other it actually feels like they're together and these first two episodes that are out right now um, I think by the time this premieres, the third episode will be out, are directed by J.A. Bayona, who directed The Orphanage, which is one of my favorite movies. Oh, shit. Really? Yes. And he directed What a Monster Calls. Oh, I, and yeah. And The he's, Impossible. Yeah. He's cool. He's... Wow. He, he also directed, I believe, I want to say that he's directed some episodes of Penny, Penny Dreadful. That's what I'm thinking Oh, of. okay. Well. And then, of course, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, but they can't all be winners. But... Well. Of the of the world series, I, that one is actually my favorite, but none of them are very good. <laughs> Not his problem. That it was more of a screenwriting issue. But anyway, <laughs> this is there's Jurassic horror in these corner. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's horror in these episodes. When they introduce the orcs, they are like crawling out of a tunnel that they built in someone's house, and it is one orc that fights against this woman and her child, and it is like horror moment horror beats he is gnarly looking we get some aquatic horror as galadriel is lost on the sundering seas and there's this giant underwater creature that is attacking her meager like put together boat we have like fantastic horror moments in these first two episodes that are like oh this is fun and 
it just it's it's really interesting. Like the the plot is is I don't really know what's going on a hundred percent. There's a man falling out of a sky that's a, as a meteor. There's Harfoots, which are I, I guess um, an offshoot of hobbits, mm-hmm. and they discover this man that has fallen out of the sky. There's the elves that are looking for the remains of Sauron that can't find him, and so Galadriel is being sent back over to the other world, and she decides to stay. There's the men folk that are worried about like trying to um, keep everyone together after these wars. There's we get to see some dwarves. So there's like all these different characters that are separated that I think all their plots are going to eventually converge. But it is a lot of fun, and it has some horror cred to it. So. I highly recommend it. I know it's based on like the appendices of the similarian. Yeah. Whatever people's gripes are about what it's whatever fucking appendix. Whatever. Like. <laughs> whatever. As someone who has a Tolkien tattoo, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Um, from the Hobbit, it's Smaug and the Lonely Mountain from the map. Oh, and okay. The Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah, and I love I love Lord of the Rings, and I was nervous about the show because Lord of the Rings is very special to me. But I haven't read the. Simul- I think it's a lot of fun. And I haven't read the Similarian. Sorry, nerds, but like I don't want to read a history book. Sorry, right. <laughs> nerds. As my fiance has read it, like <laughs> it's like I'm just dissing myself at this point. Um. Anyway. I'm so glad. I'll be curious to hear what, what you think of it when, when you guys eventually watch it. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I, it hooked me immediately. And it's Morphid Clark, who was in St. Maud. So, like... Yeah. She's Galadriel. Oh, my gosh. Right? She's Galadriel, right? Oh, my God. She is. You're yeah. right. I was like, why does she look so familiar? Oh, yeah. And she I was St. Maud, which is incredible. I was like, okay, cool. So, you went from that shit to this? Like, good for you. <laughs> like, that's what you deserve. Get that Amazon Lord of the Rings coin. Uh-huh. Thriving. <laughs> thriving let's talk about pennywise finally watched it chapter two (laughs) wait so you had never seen it before (laughs) mary beth did you you saw the first one but not the second one mary beth (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) i run a horror website (laughs) okay am i fired now no i i just i i it's it just surprises me. I think I was I think when it came out, what was what was why? I think it came out. It got middling reviews. It was three hours long. I just like, and I think I was annoyed with just like the Pennywise episode. I don't know. I was being like a contrarian. Like I was just being a shit. Like that was like, it's not where it's. It, it, once again, I I fall victim to my own hubris. I understand this about myself, <laughs> and that's fine. But Steve and I were like, I've been talking about watching it for fucking. Like, a year. Like, I've been like, we should watch it. I know. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like, there, and I, but I was like, there's no emergency to see it. Like, I don't need to see mm-hmm. it. We finally got our shit together. And on fr- so Friday, our 10-year our anniversary was on Thursday. And <laughs> Friday, we got a couple's massage and then came home and ordered sushi and watched it chapter two. It was an incredible celebration. That movie is fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Did you? So I say this as somebody who has not seen the first part in a long time and like liked it, but I have a lot of distance from it. So I watched this one and was like, this is so fucking different than the first one, but I kind of love it. Like Steve and I couldn't stop laughing. It's just, it's so goofy. There's, it, it's very goofy. <laughs> the, just call me Angel. Just call me Angel. 
What? Oh my god, the, the woman and like the woman at Bev's apart old apartment is like dirt 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 in the background. Like Steve was like, Am I not am I supposed to be laughing? I'm like, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but the okay, the CGI is a little bit iffy, but the monsters uh, are cool. The CGI monster is iffy, designs but the monster cool. design. Look. I'm not saying it's an incredible movie, but I had a lot of fun watching it, and it did not feel like it was three hours long. No. So, and the performances are generally okay. Bill Hader's incredible. Bill Hader's good in fucking everything. So, but James McAvoy looked like he was really unsure of his own human form in that movie, I will say. (laughs) It's like, are you okay? You just seem like trying really hard to be a human being right now. I don't know like what I just did. It was it, he didn't feel like a real person in that movie to me. I was like, are you just playing a human? Like what is going on? <laughs> you know, I you know I I enjoyed that movie, but I have a hard time dealing with the way it handles homosexuality. Oh. Oh, oh, so bad. So bad. <laughs> Let's, like, Bill, the Bill Hader stuff, I was like, could we try a little? I don't know. I w- I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Please tell me. I just had a hard time with the the opening. Yeah. <laughs> with Adrian Mellon's character, because this is a big moment in, have you read the book? I've read, I've read this part of the book. Um, I think, okay, so my problem is, I it is one of my favorite novels. Oh, is it really? It is. It's one of my favorites. Um, I've, cool. I've read it probably the most of any King book, which is ironic since it's so fucking large. How many times have you read it? Um, four or five. Holy shit. It? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sick. I, it really, it really works for me. And I think the, the way that it, it tackles, um, homophobia in that part of the book really works for me because it's not just a one moment that we're going to have and then move on from. It talks about how it digs into that. It digs into the bigotry and it goes a lot further into it as an adult uh, and kind of shows that sort of bigotry hiding just underneath main street. If that makes sense of like small town Americana in a way that feels a bit more, purposeful than just having a shocking moment like i just it felt like we're having queer trauma and that continues even with the uh uh i forget even get what he's is it with richie Richie, oh yeah richie and then like the one guy who dies is the one he has a he's in love with and it's Mm -hmm. just like watching the guy the gay guy cry who hasn't come out to anybody and he's just like closeted the whole movie and suffering (sighs) the whole time that that pissed so... me off even more. Like, both of those things pissed me off. But I, I don't... That sounds terrible, like, because it's not a fucking competition about which part is worse. No, but, but they go just... hand in hand together it's because just... it's like, we're using queer trauma as a way of, of eliciting emotion in a way that feels reductive to me and in a way that feels very disrespectful. So, like, you could have. I have a hard time getting over that aspect of it. You could have made it something totally like, or you could have just cut. I don't know. I feel like there are ways you could have done that. (laughs) Like, a lot of, yeah. Because it is. It just, like, is this horrific scene at the beginning. And then then he shows up. Adrian shows up later on as, like, a brief cameo. And that's. But there's, like, no. Played by Xavier Dolan, by the way, who um, is a. Wait, really? That was him? Director. Mm hmm. And also, he's also in the kid in Martyrs that gets shotgunned. 
that Xavier Dolan. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> that shocked yeah. me into silence. <laughs> Is it Xavier or Xavier? I don't. I don't I know how don't to know. pronounce I, the I name, don't. but I don't. But yeah, that's that's him playing a uh, Adrian Mellon. Why does that anyway? <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I have rendered know. you speechless. I rendered me speechless. I just am like, wait, <laughs> wait, because Adrian Mellon's the one that like breaks out of the the hospital and tries to. Kill no, him. Adrian Mellon's the the gay guy that gets murdered. Oh, the, the gay guy that gets murdered. Okay, but still, oh, by, poor, by see, it. poor Xavier Dolan just gets like a lot of movies about him getting like <laughs> like fucking torn apart by homophobia. <laughs> There's a boy erased too. Oh, is he? He's one of, like, the kids that... I'm not, I've never actually seen that movie because apparently it's terrible. But he's one of, like, the kids in the camp or the school or whatever. Oh. Um, anyway. So, yes. I finally watched it chapter two. I had a good time. It's really goofy and weird and definitely does not understand how to create queer characters whatsoever. It's There's of... a lot of fun in it. So, what's, what's this movie? <laughs> how was how it described again? I'm sorry. Let me just triple check one more time. <laughs> how you describe this movie as the worst hookup what so speaking of um justin long i watched house of darkness hell yeah have you seen it not yet um so house of darkness is about justin it stars justin long and kate bosworth and they met at a bar and he offers to drive her home to the countryside where she lives in this ginormous mansion and they're parked outside and he's like, I could walk you to the door. And she's like, well, um, I mean, you could come in and he's like, or are you sure? I'm just, I'm, I don't, I, I, if I need to go if it's too late. And she's like, Oh, it's not about need right now. It's about want. Right. And she starts like coquettishly asking, like, am I too forward for you? And then he's like, well, you don't seem put off about it, about any of this. And she's like, this what? And he's like, the game, whatever. She's like, is this a game to you? And so there's like this dialogue that happens between the two of them where it's like awkward first conversation, but they both seem to be like hiding something. Whereas he is like trying to be this general nice guy. And yet when she leaves the room, he's calling his buddy being like, yeah, I'm going to get some pussy tonight. Like he's like... On, on the on the front side, just being, like, this nice guy, and on the back side being this creep, and she is, like, playing along with this game with him, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, and there's a lot of conversation. That is probably where the movie might lose some people, is that it's basically just a repartee between the two of them for most of the movie, and then other characters get introduced, and then it's basically just a bunch of, like, awkward dialogue is when people are trying to basically ferret out things about the other person. I will say that... There is, I even hate to call it a twist. I haven't talked about who the characters' names are, because I feel like if I say the oh, name... Oh, it's so fucking obvious, but don't tell anyone else. Like, unless you really have... Wa- yeah, it's... No, it's it's very obvious very early on who... Yeah. <laughs> ...this woman is. Yeah. And it kind of bothers me a little bit that it sort of leaves that revelation towards the end, where it's like the audience... If you're a horror fan, you're going to pick up almost immediately what's going on here and so it's one of those cases where you're a little bit ahead of the story well a lot of it ahead of the story and you're waiting for the characters to kind of catch up but 
there's also like an interesting inversion of sort of like the hunter and prey dynamic that we see because this woman is obviously toying with her prey i almost said something else but again no spoilers there's so there's some fun in that and there's definitely it's def this could actually be like a play so like neil the dialogue Le- in it neil labute is a play the director and the writer right. he is a playwright so i, I remember josh corn got at dread central was saying that it's, it, it's like a play it is basically like mm-hmm. a play and of course you know neil is is infamously known for directing the wicker man uh, <laughs> remake but he also you know directed um gosh why did it just leave my head in the company of men yeah in 1997 which is also kind of about sexual dynamics between men and women and this feels like a continuation of that i don't know i had a lot of fun with this one i don't think it's gonna be for everyone because it is very talky it's very talky but i found the dialogue to be very you know whippy whippy witty witty and sharp it really worked for me even though like i was waiting come on (laughs) when are we gonna reveal what's happening (laughs) <laughs> cool Hell yeah, yeah it was fun I'm very excited to see it and that will be out tuesday but mary beth this horror comedy recommended from rory davis over on instagram what did we watch <laughs> but also what, what did, did we watch what did we watch so we watched dan Aykroyd's 1991 film nothing but trouble this is uh-huh. the only film that Dan Aykroyd ever directed. And I can kind of understand why. <laughs> I truly am unsure how to explain what this movie is. It starts off like some weird rom-com buddy trip movie and then becomes the most wacky version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre I've ever seen. My first thought when this movie started was like, what a 90s sitcom beginning. We have like New York City skyline zooming over that with Ray Charles singing in the background. It's like the Full I'm House like, intro. <laughs> yeah. Like, just... I'm like, this is like 90s sitcom, romantic comedy, like all over it. Like, and even the title, Nothing But Trouble. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. honey. And she even, like, she said, like, oh, honey, you're nothing but trouble. <laughs> And, but then it's, like, this incredibly stacked cast of comedians. Like, Chevy Chase is our main guy. And that man is such an asshole. <laughs> okay. You know, here's the thing. I I love watching him in movies, but he is an utter asshole. And he's, I've heard he is always an asshole. And it's, like, yes. no wonder he's so good at playing a snarky asshole. Because he just is an asshole. He is apparently impossible to work with. Yes, I have heard this. I mean, there is a reason he left Community, was fired from Community. But he really channels that that bullshit in this movie as a, like a finance guy who lives in the penthouse mm-hmm. in New York apartment. Demi, he meets Demi Moore in an incredible Meet cute with Demi Moore in an incredible suit with her two dogs. It's like and her <laughs> hair. Oh, oh, it's incredible. Love her hair. So they they she comes into his apartment. Something about New Jersey. Something about Brazilians. They get into the car to go on a road trip and they're driving to Atlantic City. This is my, that is just like, it didn't make much sense because it's, that's not the point. Like the setup is so, but like makes no sense because it's not like, it doesn't matter because it's like 24 minutes in this movie completely is just like, oh my God, this is an absolutely insane movie because it goes from like, 
Ah, buddy, true trip comedy too. Uh, there's a crazy with judge. two with two Brazilian siblings, Fausto and Rinalda, who just are along for the ride because he has a BMW, I guess. Um, and then they end up in Vulcanvania. Vulcanvania. After a car chase scene that goes on forever with John Candy forever as a cop. Forever with John Candy, who has turbo boosters in the back of his car. <laughs> I swear to you, everybody who's listening, this is real. I am not making this shit up. This is an actual And it only joke. gets weirder and from there. And that is only 20 minutes into this hour and 34 minute film. They get pulled over. They get taken to the judge's mansion where he apparently lives slash renders decisions. The, the judge is like a hundred and some odd years old, I guess, and played by Dan Aykroyd. And having the time of his life, like you could tell that Dan Aykroyd is just enjoying this role, has trapdoors, sends people into the dungeon, sends another group of people to the Mr. Bones Tripper, which is a carnival uh, roller coaster that ends with them being stripped of their bones. Where and... does the flesh go? Do they eat it? That they is what never I wonder. Resolves if that because when they shoot out the bones, they're they're clean. There's no blood. They're there's clean. Nothing. They're picked clean. And then they soon after show them eating hot dogs in the most like Texas Chainsaw Massacre dinner mm-hmm. scene. Meets someone described it as Texas Chainsaw meets Pee Wee Herman. Oh Letterboxd, yes, and it's an incredible comparison. It's like comedy Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and yeah, that scene is hysterical because he one he's lowered down out of the ceiling to the dinner table and then he presses a button and a train comes up and it's a condiment train and so it just like goes around to serve you ketchup and mustard (laughs) like okay you could see this movie ballooned in budget this movie cost 40 million (laughs) dollars to make and you can that you can see why me in the fucking slightest this movie is ridiculous They have so many, like, set, like, the stage design in this, the set design and everything for gags that are used once. Like, this dinner scene has the, you know, the train built into the table, him being lowered out of it. It's one scene. And you know that cost money. Mr. Bones Tripper that's used twice in the movie, you know that cost money. Like, this movie looks expensive, which is ridiculous when you consider that it also has two deformed baby men children things that that aren't allowed in the house and are living in the junkyard one of them is again played by uh dan Aykroyd, and i don't i don't even know what to say i mean it's just like it's such a it's like it's so funny because it's like very 1990s like fat people are disgusting look at these disgusting inbred people but like taken to a level of just like this is it's all just farce like mm-hmm. it's it transcends insulting and just is like I don't even know what this is like is this performance <laughs> art like I, it might be performance art honestly like I'm not I'm not even I'm not quite sure also Tupac Shakur is in this movie Tupac Shakur I was like what the fuck they pull over so they basically are collecting people by pulling them over and bringing them to the judge's house and like by collecting them like for just for entertainment like there's no real purpose here it's just like fucking with tourists basically. They pull over just, it's like Tupac, a bunch of other rappers, and they just perform music in the house. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're straight. 
John Candy plays the cop and also is unfortunately a man just as a woman who plays like the the mute female character who gets married to Chevy Chase like forcibly married to Chevy Chase like this movie just like set is so fuck you to like any kind and it's 1991 so you know it's not PC time but still it's like very much just like so much taking everything to the extreme it's like it's not just fat characters it's like fat characters that are monsters which is bad like which is not good but it's just like all of those things taken to an absolutely ridiculous extreme that ha- just makes zero sense but it's really fun to watch <laughs> When when I tweeted what is this movie, uh, one of the responses from Justin Yandel was said a Dan Aykroyd script with no outside oversight and yeah. So apparently Dan Aykroyd had a three hundred page script for this movie initially and like read it to everybody like drunkenly one night like at a party, like the worst kind of person. Like let me read you my three hundred page script and like script. I'm going to leave right now like i don't want to <laughs> like i don't know like 300 pages i love also that it is randomly based on centralia like there oh is a God. burning mine underneath the, the very house of wax place. ending <laughs> yeah i kept thinking when is this movie gonna end because it like it feels like it has like five endings it has five ending it's ridiculous it's something it's an experience it's a it movie. is an experience. It's an experience. I was like watching this going, I, I don't even understand what is happening half the time. I'm like, now we have a junkyard with deformed twins. Like, what? Oh, yeah. And then Demi Moore plays cards with them. And she's kept in a cage. I forgot about that. I was getting like also very like people <laughs> under the stairs mm. vibes a little bit. Because like, and also, um, fuck, what's that French, the, the French Christmas movie with a little kid? Oh, 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 oh. Dial S for Santa, oh. not dial. <laughs> dial, dial code Santa? Cause, yeah, that, like, I was getting vibes from the house, like, those kinds of vibes from, like, the house and all the little traps and stuff, but it was, it was kind of, but, like, the set design's incredible. I can only imagine, like, what the set design, like, the set designer did to go to, like, antique stores and buy every fucking trinket possible. I want to see this house, or, or, like, if it's an actual house, so bad. Like, every surface of this is covered in papers or something. Like, it's piles of toasters. Like, not yeah. one surface does not have a huge pile of something. So, and it's, like, meticulously designed, which is cool, but, like, yeah. good lord, no wonder it was Like I said, you can see where that, right, you can see where that money went. Well, and, like, they're always doing close-ups of, the, of like, the mechanism. So it's not even, like, they're giving themselves any room to fudge it. They're like, no, we right. have to get close-ups of how everything works. We spent $10 million on this. We got to like, fucking show it, people. It really is. just like, they gave Tan Aykroyd carte blanche, and then he was never given carte blanche again. No. No. This was an absolute failure of a, of a movie in terms of, like, box office. It made $8 million on a $40 million budget. No. Yeah. Oh, that's a fucking shame. I'm not surprised though. <laughs> but I mean, like, it. I think it's really fun. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's Don't go ridiculous. in expecting like some kind of masterpiece. But if you want to watch something when you're really like stoned, or if you're drinking with your friends, like this is a movie I would love to see in a movie theater with a packed audience yeah. of like people that are in on the joke and just like going, "What the absolute fuck?" Because this movie 
It's a fever dream. It's very, it's very Midnighter vibes. Like it would play. Mm-hmm. I want there to be like an anniversary screening at like a film festival <laughs> at one of the Midnighters. Um, yeah. But so that was nothing but trouble. Incredible suggestion, Rory Davis. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you for having us watch this movie because I had never really even heard of it, and I would never have. No, I had neither. So, very, very good recommendation. So please keep sending them in your recs, y'all. Like we watch them, we have a good time, we enjoy them. Mm-hmm. So please do. But before we talk more about where you can send that stuff, um, what is our next horror comedy? I love this movie and I'm so anytime that I have the opportunity of talking about it, I want to bring it up. So we are watching The Boneyard from 1991 starring Phyllis Diller and a zombie poodle. I'm so excited. You've been talking about this movie since we started the podcast and I've never Mm -hmm. watched it and I'm finally going to watch it. I am very excited for the zombie poodle. There's like a Blu-ray copy I think that's out of print and it's also streaming on YouTube. If you want to watch along with us, please do, because this movie is a little problematic. There's a problematic angle about it that I'm we'll definitely going to dig into, but um, it's a lot of fun. But who are we chatting with on Monday, Mary Beth? So on Monday, we are chatting with podcaster and YouTuber Yutaka Yamanaha, the co-host of the- Tamanaha. Tamanaha, okay. We are chatting with <laughs> podcast. I knew I was going to fuck it up. I got into my own head again about it. Uh, on Monday, we are chatting with podcaster, YouTuber, Yutaka Tamanaha, the co-host, a co-host of the Horror Hour podcast and YouTube show. And we are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, my favorite. Not mine. Not Terry's, but that's okay, because the re- your favorite one makes is like, you have a very good reason for why you love the one that you love, and I love it for you. But I, that's not to say that I did not like this movie. I love, I love all Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But yeah, no, um, it's a good conversation. Um, I'm contrarian, as I always tend to be. It seems like, but <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it is a good, it is a good conversation. Um, so, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for things we should be watching, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. Also, we have a Patreon. Become a patron. Please become a patron. Please, for giving you content. But also, don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe as well. And speaking of thank yous, thank you, Eric Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Once again, thank you all for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? 
It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.